Welcome to Tardi Mechanach Yomi with the OU Women's Initiative. My name is Adina Shmimin, and today we will be learning Sefer Yehoshua, Perak Tess. In Perak Ches, Yehoshua revisited the Battle of Ai, attempting to conquer the city for the second time. He is reassured by Hashem, Al-Tira va'al-Techas, do not fear and do not lose resolve. With sophisticated military instructions, Yoshua leads the nation to a decisive victory with the city destroyed and the king captured and killed. The people took the booty and spoils with the permission of Yoshua and Hashem. The parak then shifts to the Mizbeach on Har Evel, and finally the recitation of Brachos and Klolos, the blessings and curses on Har Grizim and Har Evel. While the timeline is unclear whether this occurred before the Battle of Ai or after, what is clear is the commitment to the Torah laws by all the members of the Jewish nation. Parakhtes, Deception and Correction Fighting a war is not simply taking up arms and attacking an enemy. Just as in other areas of life, there are halachos, laws, which govern behavior even during wartime. The Torah forbids waging a war against other people without first giving them the opportunity to surrender. This is true, according to the Rambam Hochos Malachim 6.1, even in the case of a Mohamed Mitzvah, an obligatory war, as was the conquest of Eretz Yisrael. The Talmud Yerushalmi shares that Yoshua wrote three proclamations to the Zion Amim, the seven nations, who were then living in the land of Canaan before the Jewish nation crossed the Yardane. While we don't have the exact text of the letters, they likely included that it was the Jewish people's destiny, according to Hashem's word, to take possession of the land that Hashem had promised to their ancestor, Avraham. Proclamation number one. Any Knani who wishes to be spared from the Torah's decree should leave the land of Israel. Proclamation two. Any Knani who wishes to remain unharmed in the land must accept three conditions. A, to keep the Sheva Mitzos B'nei Noach, the seven Noah, Noahide laws. B, to accept no jobs of leadership. And C, be willing to assist the king both through his labor and contributions. These three conditions needed to be met in order for one of the seven nations to make a peace treaty with B'nei Israel. And finally, proclamation number three. If the nation doesn't leave or meet the three criteria for peace, there would be a declaration of war against that Kanani nation. The Rambam seems to think that each proclamation was issued separately as the people drew closer and closer to the land of Israel, while the Medrash understands that all options were offered at once. So Perak Tess opens, describing the kings of the Canaanite nations gathering together to, as stated in Pasuk Beis, V'yizkapsu yachtav lihilachem im Yehoshua v'im Yisrael pe'echad. That the nations gathered themselves to fight with Yehoshua and with Yisrael with unified, resolved. Pe'echad. And then we read about the Givonim, who disguise themselves as travelers, who have come from far away, shoes with holes, moldy or crumbly bread, faded sacks, worn-out wineskins. They approach Yoshua, stating that they have heard about Mitzrayim and the battle of Sichon and Og. They cleverly omit the most recent battles of Yericho and Ai, as without 
Twitter or WhatsApp, they wouldn't have heard about these. And they secured a treaty of non-aggression from Yoshua and the people. Why the deception if surrender was one of the options? And now that that pact was in place, could it be reversed? The Rambam explains that the Givonim thought that since they didn't accept the peace offer originally, they couldn't ask for a peace treaty at this point. The Ramban offers three different suggestions. He says, A, the Givonim didn't know that they had an opportunity to surrender, uh, that there was an opportunity for peace. They were afraid, and therefore they came up with this deceptive plan. B, they originally did reject Yoshua's offers, and then after hearing about Yericho and I, reconsidered. Or C, that they knew they could surrender, but they didn't want to be servants. They wanted to be equals, allies. So they decided to come in this devious way. But once they decided to reach out, they were actually more scared of the seven nations who, as we see from the beginning of the parak, were already assembling for war. The Talmud Yerushalmi, Maseches Kedushim, Perak Dalad Halacha Hey, describes the Gavonim's plan as devious and sinister. They knew the directives that the Jewish people received was to obliterate the seven nations. Let us trick them, and then they'll contract an agreement with us. If they kill us, they'll violate the promise. If they let us live, they'll violate their Torah. Either way, they'll be punished and we'll inherit the land for ourselves. Now, let's pause for a moment. If the Givonim were willing to be killed by the Jewish people, they certainly wouldn't inherit the land. But yet, they were willing to go forward with their plan to destroy the Jewish people, even if they had nothing to gain from it. We're watching this same self-destructive approach today, a willingness to be destroyed so long as Israel is blamed and harmed. Pasuk Vav 6, Vayochu el Yoshua el hamachane hagilgo, Vayomru elav el ish Yisrael, Me'eretz rechoka banu, kirsu lanu bris. They went to Yoshua at his camp in the Gilgal, and they said to him and to the men of Israel, we have come from a distant land. Now make a covenant with us. Pasuk Zion 7, Vayomer ish Yisrael el hachivi. There's a kriuk siv. The people said in a unified way to the chivi, Ulai bikirbiya tayoshev. They were a little suspect. Maybe you're from within us. Ve'ech echros l'chabris. And therefore, how can I make a covenant with you? Right from the get-go, there was something that made the Jewish people suspect the Givonim. And so the Givonim very strategically turned to just Yehoshua. Vayomer el Yehoshua, Pasuk Ches, 8. And they say to just Yehoshua, Avadecha anachnu, we are your servants. Vayomer alehem Yehoshua. And so Yehoshua says to them, Miatem umeayin tavau, who are you and where do you come from? Vayomru love, and they say to him, Me'eretz rechalka me'od banu. They add in the word me'od. From a very, very far away place, your servants have come. L'shem Hashem alokecha. And they have come because of the name of Hashem your God. Ki shamanu shamo ve'is kol asher asab in Mitzrayim. We have heard his fame and all that he has done in Mitzrayim. And then they go on to talk about the war of Sichon and Og. After talking and talking and talking, for many psukim, finally, Pasuk Yedalid, the people are convinced. 
The word sedem could either mean food, B'nai Israel took from their bread and shared it, but this seems a little unlikely as their bread was moldy, or Rashi suggests they accepted their words. The word sayid means trap because their words were like a trap. It was their bread, taking both ideas together, that suggested that they were telling the truth and in fact entrapped the B'nai Israel. And so the people fell for their ruse. They did not consult Hashem, and Yoshua wrote out a treaty for them. Pasuk Tesvav ends, 15, by Yishav'u lahem The leaders of the congregation swore to them. Pasuk Tezayin, 16, bris, And it was after three days after they had made the covenant with them, that they heard, They found out that they were their neighbors and that they dwelled amongst them. When the Menei Israel discovered that they had been duped, they traveled three days to reach the town of Givon with the intent of attack. But because the Nesim had sworn to this allegiance by the name of Hashem, the people were stuck. And Vayalunu kol haida al and the entire congregation complained against the leaders. They wanted to fight, and here they were being restrained from attacking the Givonim. The Nisim respond, Pasuk Yutes 19, We swore to them by the name of Hashem, the God of Israel. And now we are not allowed to touch them. The Nisim explained that because they swore using Hashem's name to create a covenant with the Gvonim, they were bound to uphold their word. What a Kiddush Hashem! Despite the trickery of the Gvonim, the Jewish leaders upheld their word. The ethics of the Jewish army in the days of Yehoshua, and we see it today now, are remarkable. Despite the fact that they were tricked into a treaty, they upheld the pact as it was signed with the name of Hashem. So what was the Nesim's plan? Pasuk Chav Aleph 21. Vayomru aleihem ha-Nesim, yichyu, let them live. Vayiyu chotvei etzim v'shoavei mayim l'chol ha'ida kasher dibru lahem ha-Nesim. And they became woodchoppers and water drawers for the entire congregation as the Nesim had told them. And now Yoshua confronts the Givonim. He demonstrates his generosity in that he would not kill them, but he curses them, Arurim, in Pasuk 23, this group would be Nidui, banished. They would maintain a distance so that, according to the Mayam Loes, they would not have a negative effect on the Jewish people. Pasuk Chafgimel 23, And now you are cursed, and there shall never cease to be slaves, woodchoppers, and water drawers from you for the house of Hashem. Pasuch of Dalid 24, the Givonim expressed gratitude to Yehoshua. They explained what they did and why they did it, and told Yehoshua that they were prepared to follow his direction. They knew that Hashem had commanded Moshe to give all the land to the Jewish people and to exterminate all the inhabitants of the land, and therefore they were very afraid, and that is why they reached out with the covenant. 
Yeshua accepts their word and thereby saves them from the Jewish people who were still prepared to kill them for their deception. Pasuch Vav 26. Vayav slahem kain vayatzel osam miyad b'nei Yisrael v'lo haragum. And so he did to them. He saved them from the hand of the children of Israel, and they did not kill them. What merit did the Givonim have to serve in the house of Hashem? The Radak explains that they served in Shiloh, Nov, Givon, and Yerushalayim. Perhaps by indirectly facilitating the upholding of the honor of Hashem and proving that the word of Hashem is binding and immutable, it was this that earned them the merit to serve dutifully in Hashem's home. Perak Test leaves us with several takeaway lessons. The first is to seek guidance from a Rav before making important decisions and the unfortunate consequences of relying on one's own understanding. Considering halachic ramifications of one's actions is critical. We also learn from this parak the seriousness of promises, certainly in the name of Hashem, but even promises in general. When you give your word to someone, when you commit to doing something, you're extending a rope of trust, and not upholding your word severs that rope. And yet, as we'll see in the next parak tomorrow, that despite deception, B'nai Yisrael are able to overlook, overcome, and fight when necessary. Thank you for studying together. Li'ilui nishmot imotenu hayikarot, Esther Oppenheimer, Allah shalom, and Sarah Shanker, Allah shalom, each deeply devoted and proud to transmit their family's Torah legacy to the next generations.